WMSC interview of Holy Grail singer James Paul Luna and guitarist Eli Santana by Nick Perkel. You yes. are gearing up for your first headlining tour with Anti-Mortem. How do you prepare to become a headliner? Do you mean uh, physically and mentally or like over like your career? <laughs> Um, a little bit of column A and a little bit of column B. <laughs> um, well, it's kind of been a long time coming, I guess. We we did we did a, a co-headline tour for our last record with the band Cauldron, uh, our buddies from Toronto, and um, so now that we have a second album out and things have been going pretty well, just touring nonstop, um, and uh, it kind of the opportunity came about where our management and booking agent and label said, Hey, you got to try out and see what we can do on our own. So we're going for it. And, uh, it's, it's a little bit like, it's a little bit kind of like we're anxious, nervous, excited, kind of everything at once just to like see how it comes out. But for the most part, we're, we're, we think it's going to be pretty awesome and we're really stoked. So, um, Especially like um, what we've heard from fans that like um, they're really excited that we're going to play like a full set because it's kind of been a while since we've done that where we have more than just a 30 or 45 minute set. We're going to try and do like a an hour to an hour and 15 minute or something a night. So it should be pretty exciting. You ever like rehearse uh, any of uh, the show banter? You're going to stick you're going to say on stage or is it just pretty much like you do it off the top of your head? Um, I, I mean, I'm, I'm usually not the best at that stuff, but I, I kind of have been like kind of winging it and kind of coming up with stuff. But, um, for this tour, I have a few things I, I know I'm going to try and incorporate into the set stage banter wise, but it usually just ends up coming as the show happens. What would you tell yourself if you could speak to yourself before you went on the 70,000 tons metal concert on what to do and what not to do to properly prepare for this event? <laughs> um, I probably would have told myself to uh, go on more snorkel adventures and join Eli because he got to go pet a shark. Uh, yeah, it's true, I, I, uh, which was kind of amazing. It was... Uh, um, Fred, the bass player from Dragon Force, and some of the Dragon Force crew, and then uh, um, a bunch of the uh, the guys from Lacuna Coil, uh, including um, the singer Christina, and uh, that you know that didn't suck. But um, uh, yeah, and, and uh, Fred and I like built, made some sandcastles uh, on the beach together. Uh, don't worry, it was really heavy. You know, it was metal type uh, evil castles. It wasn't you know. But uh, I would have told myself definitely to um, stock up on sleep beforehand um, because, like, I, I probably slept, like, a total of eight hours the whole, like, four days um, just because, like, there was just so much fun to be had. And um, just with, like, the uh, karaoke and just other bands, like, we, you know, uh, like our, our friends in uh, Three Inches of the Blood were there and we kind of raged with them and just, like, um, and just made a bunch of friends because there was really no, like, artist VIP area. It's just, like, you're basically just completely, like, integrated with all the uh, 
fans, and it, it was just, uh, yeah, just really didn't sleep. So I would have, uh, you know, kind of uh, stocked up on, on rest before that. Who were your favorite, like, I guess, three or four bands that you saw on the 70,000 Tons Cruise? Um, for me, this is James. For me, it was um, uh, Metal Church, Three Inches of Blood, and um, probably, I'd say Halloween. Yeah, I think uh, I had never seen um, Halloween before, and they were they were great. Um, oh and, wait, uh, Creator! I think Creator. I liked Creator a little more than Halloween, though. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, well, I had never. I, I've been a big uh, Flopping Jetson fan, so uh, it was cool to, to be able to see them twice. And then um, also, uh, Immolation was just awesome. Um, and then. Uh, uh, in Flames were just killer. Like I've seen them like a million times, but it was like kind of nice to be able to like, you know, uh, kind of walk down the hall from your uh, from your room and just go. Oh, I'm gonna go. I'll be back. I'm gonna go watch In Flames and just you know. Uh, okay. I, I basically uh, I, I started talking about how um, I, I've been a big uh, Fossum and Jetson fan for years, and I got to see them twice. And then uh, Immolation was just awesome. Um, and then. Uh, and then it was just really cool to, like, um, one of my favorite bands is, like, In Flames. So it was just, like, I was saying it was really cool to, like, you know, on the way to the buffet, kind of walk out from your room and go, like, I'm going to watch In Flames on the way to the buffet kind of, you know, thing. That was just, like, a really cool experience. Now, what are some of your biggest concerns and worries playing at festival concerts? Um, For me, personally, this... Uh, since I'm like a strict vegetarian, it's all I'm always concerned what the what the food or catering is going to be like at those things because it's usually like turkey legs or um, like fries and just random like junk food. So that's all my my usual concern. But other than that, I think they're a blast. And um, I guess the other concern may be uh, how hungover you're going to be the next day. And then have to and then have to catch a flight to some other festival or something. I think a, a big concern for for myself is like what um, equipment we're going to use because a lot of times like you know at festivals it's so like you know uh, you have to like you have so many quick changeovers that you don't actually bring your own uh, gear. So it's like a, it's kind of a sometimes I have to like you know off the foot like on the fly like get an amp that you've never really played and then have to like dial in a tone like really really quickly and then be able to like um perform and and uh I'll kind of uh not like when I see a band at a festival and they you know they're kind of struggling through a set you know and I, I kind of give them the benefit of the doubt because it's such a like you know weird uh like kind of fish out of water thing with like uh you know monitors and uh and equipment and everything. So, like, you know, that's always kind of, like, a uh, a scary thing. Like, uh, we, we played Bakken, and uh, I got this, like, Marshall that I'd never even, like, like, really seen before. I didn't know how to figure it out, and I had, like, basically, like, this, like, straight ACDC Malcolm Young tone, and I'm trying to, like, shred on it, and it was just, like, really, really tough and kind of, like, a slightly slight nightmare. But, uh, you know, you, you just... Uh, Give it 110. Now, you've performed at a number of festivals in Europe. However, you do have a desire to pl perform club gigs in Europe as well. What do you need to do to make this happen? 
Um, that's a good question. We've actually only played uh, three festivals in Europe, and we're trying to get back there and as, as we speak. And hopefully, um, it's it's just like we keep trying to get on these like a, a more like of a package tour where we can do like a small club tour of Europe. But we haven't actually had proper presence in Europe yet, so we're kind of looking forward to that with this new record going out there this fall. Anything else to add, Eli? Um, yeah, no, I, I, I think it's just like we, we've really, um, we've actually really yet to like, um, yeah, just kind of like do a proper tour and do a proper like promotion of like basically either album. So, uh, you know, I'm definitely looking forward to seeing uh, how like some of those audience will, will react. You know, now that we have like two albums of material to kind of throw at them, so. Um, yeah, I, I I can't wait to go over. It's gonna be awesome. Now, guys, what type of behavior do you see in mosh pits that is just unsafe, and when you see it, you need to stop it? Um, definitely like the hardcore dancing. Um, just looks really unsafe. Um, like like the first time I went to a show and, and there was this guy like in a karate pose and I was like, Oh, that's weird. And then I saw why he was doing it to basically like, you know, get ready for like, uh, some of these, um, like hardcore dancers, like kind of, uh, um, you know, doing their moves, but it, it kind of seemed like the hardcore dancing is like the new disco because everybody kind of moves away and lets them do their moves and they all kind of watch and judge. And then another guy will kind of go in and do his moves. Um, I don't know. I don't. I don't think we've ever had to like stop a show or having to like stop certain people. Okay. Now, if a band is offered a chance to appear in a comp CD through paying a fee, is this a good idea? And what would be some of the drawbacks of this? Did you say through paying a fee? Yeah. Um, I don't know if I would pay a fee to be on a compilation. Um, I guess it would depend on what what the compilation was. Um, if it was like, yeah, yeah I mean, I'd be I'd be for it if it was a cool comp with, with like awesome bands. And we we've done comps before, but it was just kind of like they asked us to be on it, and so I don't know. Um, I I I think it. It really depends on the case. It's hard to say in general terms. <laughs> like, I, I think if there was, like, a soundtrack uh, to, like, the Justice League movie that's coming out with, like, Batman and Superman and you know, a bunch of metal bands, like, I don't know, I, I'd probably uh, try to pony up some cash to get on that because it just seems uh, kind of awesome. But maybe I've uh, given this too much thought and got ahead of myself already with it, but... <laughs> okay. I noticed Ride the Void is getting a cassette release. A number of other metal bands are going with cassettes too, like Witch Haven and Ghoul. How much interest do you notice from fans as well as from other bands when it comes to heavy metal releases on cassette? I think it's awesome. And uh it's it's been kind of like a thing for like the last I don't know, three or four years it's been like a cool fad and I think it's. I think it sounds better on cassette too. It's, it has like a more analog feel to it. 
like the way it, it once it gets bounced to the tape, it gives it a little bit more of like that that oomph that you you remember listening to. Like I don't know, I I had a tape player driving around when I was in high school, so it, it's kind of nostalgic for me. Yeah, well, for yeah, and just growing up, like the um, I think just kind of like the age group that like we are. Um, I just always wanted to see like a band that I was in, like, oh man, when our, when we come out with our cassette, it's gonna look like this. And so like, um, that part of uh, the younger me, I think would, you know, to make him happy, I think we need we it would be really cool to come out with a cassette. And uh, you know, I, when everybody was like back to vinyl, and I was kind of joking about like, oh, forget vinyl, you know, go with cassettes. But then now I'm kind of like actually, you know, more serious about it. You've had bonus tracks like Lucifera, Go Down Swinging, and Can't Hide the Wolf on various releases of Hide the Void and various EPs and B-sides. Can you please speak about the recording and inspiration of some of these tracks? Uh, the bonus tracks? Yes. Well, when we recorded the album, we went in with uh, 16 songs, and then we recorded them all and then kind of assembled a track list from there, and then... So we, even, it was hard for us to really pick like our favorite like 13 songs, but once we did, we used the other three extra as as bonus tracks. And um, and to talk about them each individually, I guess Lucifero was kind of inspired by this. Um, uh, I think it was, it was definitely South American or maybe even Mexican horror film about uh, called Alucarda about this young girl that goes to a convent and becomes like, um, like the, is it, is she like the wife? She becomes the wife of Satan, I believe. Yeah. <laughs> so, but it was kind of hard to, a mouthful to, to sing Alucarda. So we changed it to <laughs> Lucifera, which was a little bit easier to sing. Yeah. That was one of the, uh, the like random, like foreign B movies from the seventies that our producer, Matt Hyde, would just put on to, like, kind of set the mood and just, like, have on repeat. Um, like, the other was uh, Ilsa, the she-wolf of the SS. And, uh, you know, we're trying to write. I'm looking up and just kind of like, what, what the hell are we watching? Um, but uh, it, it, it was kind of fun, you know, to, like, have something kind of dark but kind of, like, really kind of poorly made, too, to, like, um, kind of draw, like, inspiration of. And I, I ended up finding a... Uh, uh, a shirt of, of that movie when I was in Austin and I ended up buying it and giving it to Matt. So uh, we'll, we'll see if, uh, if he wears it. Cause it's, you know, it's got, it's, you really don't want to wear a lot of things with like, uh, you know, Nazi, um, you know, swastikas on it and stuff like that. But, um, uh, you know, it's from the movie. And then go down swinging was kind of like a, I'd look at it as like a, a maiden kind of song. It's very like a, a maiden worship. And um, what was the other one? Can't Hide the Wolf. Yeah. It's actually a song that um, didn't make it on the first record. And uh, we couldn't really work out like the, this one transition part. And then we kind of revisited on this Ride the Void session and that's how it came about is uh we worked on it with matt Hyde, and we kind of tweaked it to perfection and that's, that's where that one came from yeah and I, I was always uh 
and all those tracks, like we re- we just we didn't really want to cut anything, so it was like a kind of nice uh, nice problem to have, as, as tough as it wa- was. But I, I think like "Can't Hide the Wolf," uh, that's kind of like one of my our favorite like choruses that I think we've done. So it was kind of like uh, it was really rough to like kind of leave it going off the uh, album, but uh, maybe uh, maybe in the future it might see some light, um, you know, live or something. Excellent. It's been three years since Crisis in Utopia. How many songs has Holy Grail composed that are shovel-ready to be recorded that you know you would want to put on an album in the future? Um, we have a couple, I think, maybe. Yeah, we have a few... I don't know. I, I kind of just like writing new stuff each time, so... And then any any old ones that we have, we just kind of put on the back burner until we, we we revisit them once we have new stuff. But uh, yeah, there's nothing actually in the can ready to go as we speak. Yeah, yeah, we don't really have the thing like I, I think going into Rise of Void, there was a couple songs that like we couldn't get to on Crisis that was just like kind of one of our first orders of business and, and ride the void where just like, oh I can't wait to like develop that song and put it um on the album. I don't think we have like any songs that are kind of like, you know, really uh sticking out for us to to go back to. Um and, and I, I think uh that being said, like yeah, I'm also really excited to just kinda of start fresh and bring in some like newer ideas and stuff like that. We have two songs that we've never put on a record from um our first EPs, like demo sessions, uh, TGPF and For All Eternity that we might end up doing eventually, but um, they're just there on the back burner for now. (laughs) Can you tell me a few words about both of these songs? Um, One of them is uh, For All Eternity. It's very like, uh, it's like power metal, like kind of like an Ingve meets Dio kind of sound where it's like very like technical like kind of power metal riffs and then it's got like this very like stompy Dio chorus and then TGPF is like this super like very fast uh, kind of very fast chug like thrash kind of song that has like an epic breakdown and outro to it. Okay, now this one is strictly for Luna. You also yeah. appeared on the Children of Bodom track Party All the Time from, Rel- from Relentless, Reckless, Forever. What are some bands that you may end up finding yourself doing background vocals or duets this year? Um, I'm not sure. I, I, uh, it just kind of comes up unexpectedly, whatever Matt Hyde is working on at the time. That was actually a Matt Hyde record. And uh, I also sang on the Parkway Drive record that came out recently. And um, and then, like, the other one I did was this uh, goth band, or they're, like, kind of gothic rock from uh, Scandinavia, the 69 Eyes. So whenever you need somebody to do some backing vocals, I come in and lay a few things down. So I, I don't know what's up next. Maybe it'll be something like, um, who knows, uh, monster magnet or something that would be fun awesome now finishing things off 
for musicians who are just beginning their careers, can you explain the difference between paying your dues and being taken advantage of? Um, it's a fine line, definitely. I, I mean, the, you, you kind of have to go at it blindly, paying your dues, but then, you, I don't know. You, I, I suggest really talking to other bands and kind of like seeing how things are going and really, you know, kind of talk to bands that have been around a little longer and that, that's how you kind of find out what who's blowing steam up your you know up your ass and not and 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 it's kind of it's really tricky starting out because i mean we've, we've gone through i mean a bunch of different like phonies and fake promises just over the years uh just myself and i know eli as well just like kind of coming up from just you know, playing in a million bands in like LA and San Diego, you just you kind of get a vibe for it. But um, it is it is very tricky, and um, you, you kind of never know if you're getting taken advantage of. But you you get a you get a good you get a good vibe for people, and that's kind of what we go off of. Any final words, Eli? Uh. Yeah, I mean, uh, it, it, it's kind of, you know, you kind of follow your gut, and sometimes it's it's wrong, and, you know, sometimes, like, it's uh, your gut also, like, you, you kind of want to believe some of the stuff people, you know, say, uh, kind of, like, in the industry or coming coming in, but, uh, you know, it's it's kind of, like, a lot of it is, like, talking to another, like, other bands, um, you know, they can actually just give you a heads up about, like, the way things are done, or, like, even certain people in you know, a particular scene, it might be like, oh, I'm, you know, I'm dealing with, with so-and-so, and they'll be like, oh, yeah, don't don't mess with him, like, he's terrible, you know, or stuff like that, or like, oh, yeah, yeah no, like, if you deal with him, he's a good dude, and kind of stuff like that, so it's just kind of like, uh, you know, definitely, like, uh, don't go it alone and, and really just try to, like, uh, you know, talk to, like, fellow bands and stuff and make friends with, like, other bands, Um kind of like a good way to go about it and just kind of really follow your gut um, as far as like judging like people. But, uh, you know, there, there is like, you, you do have to pay your dues also. Um, and so like, it, it's kind of one of those, like, uh, you also kind of like have to like draw like a line in the sand as far as like how much to do that. You know, like, you know, there's some stuff as well as paying your dues. That's okay. But like, you know, you, you start doing that for like years and years, and you kind of have to be like, okay, like that's that's enough of that. Um, but uh, yeah, it is a really weird fine line that uh, you know you, you kind of have to like make personally. Um, also, excellent. Thank you very much. Hey Nick, um, do you mind if we plug something too? Yeah, sure. Um, Eli and Alex are doing this guitar thing at the shows. Do you want to mention, talk about that, Eli? Yeah, yeah. We're, uh, Alex and I are doing a guitar clinic uh, for people who want to uh, show up a little bit earlier um, uh, and uh, have the, the cash to do so. Um, and uh, you can you can uh, see the flyer on our Facebook, but it's uh, uh, it's we're calling it the Super Shred Brothers Guitar Clinic and. Uh, you can email us at uh, supershredbros at gmail.com for, like, info and pricing and all that. So, uh, yeah, if people want to 
learn some of my licks. Uh, get there a little bit early. Like, can you ask me about how much time, like, uh, your tip, the typical uh, fan would have, like, getting to chat with you about, like, the various songs you'll be going over? Uh, well, the, the the clinic is uh, um, it's an hour and a half of uh, you know we'll, we'll teach a lot of licks and everything, but like um, we we're leaving out a huge uh, huge time at the end for just like uh, Q and A and everything, and we'll pretty much like uh, even go into like certain guitar playing stuff if that's the question. But uh, you know it's kind of just completely open ended, so like there'll be a lot of time to actually talk and. Um, I know. I know myself. Once I get going, we'll probably uh, we'll probably go a little bit over. Um, you know, the the time that we designated, just because uh, you know, I get uh, especially when, when we're talking about like uh, you know, the band and the writing. I get like super nerdy and uh, kind of just can't shut up about it. So uh, I'm gonna say a lot of time. And this will be available like on every concert date. Yeah. yeah, no, it's pretty much based on, you know, if, if we got people coming out, then we're going to do it um, just every show in every city. Um, and uh, uh, we're, we're not really going to do one of those things where it's like, oh, we didn't get enough people to show up. You know, if, if there's a city with one guy, then well, there, he's going to get a, a guitar lesson from me and Alex. Um, so a lot, a lot of pressure on that one person if that happens, but... Uh, yeah, so we're just going to be doing it the, every single day. Excellent. Um, do you have anything else you want to add to this? Um, nah, it's, it's pretty much, pretty much. Uh, yeah, check out the the site and just, um, yeah, come on to the show. It's going to be a lot of fun. This has been the WMSC interview of Holy Grail singer James Paul Luna and guitarist Eli Santana by Nick Perkel.